Letter number 18, Strategies for a Life Well Lived. My dear student, there will inevitably be times when treasured values will clash with each other. Emmet, honesty, often clashes with shalom, peace. Individual needs will conflict with those of one's broader community. How does one navigate such moments of tension? How does one prioritize when pushed to choose between competing values? While each specific instance should require its own analysis, there are three basic strategies that I'll share that help me when I face such crossroads. The first is captured by Rabbi Lam in an article on his reflections on peace and truth. Rabbi Lam describes a notion of complementarity in which, and I quote, neither peace or truth need be given second billing. We affirm both, attempting whenever possible to conform to each of this polarity. Where choices must be made, we choose now one, now the other, depending on the circumstances and judgment, but always remembering that the other pole remains vital and relevant and may not be overlooked. End quote. When values clash, we need to make choices. But it's not that one value is necessarily more important than another. It may simply be that different circumstances require different responses. One value may take prominence for a time, but the other value does not disappear. If circumstances change, the other value may rise in importance. Oftentimes, disagreements about how to respond to a particular issue are not debates about core values themselves, but rather disagreements about how to apply our shared set of values to specific circumstances. To my mind, a great example of this is found in one of our foundational stories in Breshit. When Hashem calls to Avram to issue the directive to make the ultimate sacrifice, Avram's response is simple. He says, Hineni, God, I am here. Hineni, as explained by Rashi, does not simply mean I am present. It means I am here for you, to do whatever you need me to do, God. And this, of course, is the ultimate value for Avram HaIvri, to follow God in all ways. Interestingly, later on in the story when Yitzchak calls out, Avi, Avi, my father, my father, Avram once again responds, Hineni, I am here for you. This reflects a second aspect of Avram. Not Avram the Ivri, but Avram the Avi. Avram also values his love, paternal care, and devotion to his son Yitzchak. Avram's whole life was spent praying for and then protecting Yitzchak from any harm. The Torah, by employing the same word, hineni, in both circumstances, uncovers the inexorable tension that Avram was feeling at this moment. Avram is both servant of God and caretaker of his son. Avram would do anything for either of them. But now he is faced with the decision in which he needs to choose one aspect of his life over another. When Avram decides to follow God's command, he's sacrificing not only Yitzchak, but also a part of himself. The Avram Avi is being sacrificed by the Avram Ivri. With this background, we can better understand the resolution of this dilemma. At the end of the story, the angel stays Avram's hand by calling his name twice, Avraham, Avraham. And Avram once again answers, why mention Avram twice? God ultimately does not want Avram to sacrifice his son. But God also requires Avram to be responsive 
to the greater call of faith. God accepts and desires both sides of Abraham, the Avram Ivri and the Avraham Avi. The chapter begins with these two callings in conflict, but resolves them with Avram able to respond in fullness to both callings, the worshiper and the father. When Avram responds the third time with Hineni, he's finally able to understand the inherent value of the multiple callings in his own life. Each of them makes demands. Each of them speaks to profound and important aspects of his soul. Sometimes those demands are in conflict. With his last Hineni, Avram expresses his willingness to respond to more than one calling. Your lives will ask you to respond to different and competing callings. They may take the form of a major life decision like choosing a career path that is better suited for you or one that focuses on the community as a whole. These conflicts may appear in your domestic lives as parents, such as deciding what to do on an evening when your child asks for your attention but your work or religious obligations are pressing. The story of Avram teaches us that if you're always saying hineni to one kind of commitment, choosing one value over another, you're probably making a mistake. God wants you to uphold and balance a multitude of commitments in order to live an authentic religious life as a true Ebed Hashem, servant of God. The first strategy is finding a way to balance and blend a multitude of values in your life. I do not want to minimize how difficult this is. We are all juggling many competing values. What they don't tell you when you juggle is that some of the balls are made out of glass. You have to prioritize that which really matters when seeking balance. The second strategy is to take into account your specific personality, character traits, and circumstances. Because halacha is the determining structure for Orthodox Jewish life, we often use terms associated with halacha to talk about life. Take, for example, the terms l'chachila and b'dievet. There's a maximal way to do something when all conditions are ideal, and there's a way to satisfy one's basic obligations when circumstances are not perfect. As an aspiration, we should all try to be maximalist Jews and root out mediocrity when it comes to our religious observance. But oftentimes, when it comes to life decisions, we cannot consistently be governed by the same categories because life itself is b'dievet. It's never ideal. It's making the best out of the circumstances we find ourselves in and making good choices under often suboptimal conditions. Moreover, so much of life is filled with areas in which there is no clear right or wrong. The determining factor is what's right for that specific area and what's right for you. When it comes to conceptual halacha, we strive for pristine ideals. When it comes to personal life choices, we place those ideals within the context of real-life situations and harness our self-knowledge. Take, for example, the major questions you'll face in life. Whom will you marry? Where will you live? What will you choose for a career? By definition, these kinds of questions are very different from those that apply to particular mitzvot, such as lighting Shabbat candles or putting on tefillin. Most of the mitzvot we perform regularly are chiyuvim, our legal obligations. But a larger question, like our future place of residence, according to most halachic decisors who do not regard living in Israel as a legal obligation, is not an obligation, a chiyuv, but a life choice. Similarly, there are limited halachic discussions about what profession to enter or the parameters of that profession, and there are broad halachic guidelines about whom to marry. 
But we're not able to make these choices based on disembodied, decontextualized sources. We have to take into account our backgrounds, skills, talents, needs, and desires. Such life decisions are not chiyuvim, but kiyumim, not obligations, but states of being that induce a healthier, more authentic way of living. On a piece of paper, we might come to the conclusion that the most sacred life choice is to be an educator or a rabbi, but that piece of paper is merely two-dimensional. Life is three-dimensional. Your abilities and predilections might point you to different choices. In these areas of life, it's about who you are rather than what you think you should or need to do because of someone else's expectations. This also explains why the Mishnah says there is no minimum or maximum measure a shi'ur for certain acts of kindness. Rambam in Hilchas Avel explains that the mitzvah to love one's fellow as oneself means that one should visit the sick, accompany the dead, and share joy with the bride and groom. But there is no one way or one appropriate measure to accomplish any of these acts. That depends on the person doing them. Although there are no limits to these commandments, there are what I like to call mitzvah consequences that should impact our life choices. Our friends can enhance our performance of mitzvot or detract from them. Our choice of profession can leave time for family and the fulfillment of shmir on mitzvot or not. Our choice of spouse and community will also have significant mitzvah consequences. Our hobbies and how we spend our recreational time can also have mitzvah consequences. We make choices that reflect our personalities, needs, and drives, and they also each have consequences. As you think about the major life decisions ahead of you, please consider who you are in the picture. This awareness will not only help you make better decisions, but also promote respect for the choices others make. Just as your decisions are deeply personal, so are the decisions of others. Respecting others and avoiding being judgmental creates healthier relationships and a more productive society. All this comes from the deeper appreciation of the primacy of the individual in making life choices. The third strategy is to surround yourself with people who will support you, care about you, and help you through life. The Mishnah in Avot states, Make for yourself a rabbi and acquire for yourself a friend. This teaching calls for an active investment on your part to develop those relationships. One of the great blessings in my life has been having great teachers. In them, I found models of truth, integrity, courage, devotion, kindness, and love. When I was growing up, I sat in the same row as my uncle, Rabbi Julius Berman, during Shabbat davening. I watched not only how he dab and learned into a Torah weekly in shul, that how he conducted himself with his neighbors and friends who sought his advice about personal and communal matters. Throughout every stage of my life, he encouraged me and guided me, serving as a role model for compassionate, forward-thinking Jewish communal leadership on the highest level. Rabbi Michael Rosenzweig's incredible erudition and creativity in all areas of Torah, as well as history, literature, and philosophy, informed and shaped my intellectual and spiritual life. His brilliance that is on regular display to his students is only matched by the kindness and care he shows to each individual student. He invited my participation not only in his classroom, but in our lifelong ongoing dialogue, from which I continue to be nourished. Rabbi Jacob J. Schachter brought me into his shul and brought me into his heart. 
serving as his intern assistant and associate at the Jewish Center for six years, gave me a front row seat to witness not only a rabbi at the top of his profession, but an Eved Hashem par excellence, whose profound sensitivity and kindness to others elevated every interaction with congregants, communal leaders, and neighbors, Jews and non-Jews alike. When I started my tenure, Rabbi Schachter put his arm around me to extend his support and throughout every stage of my life since, even when few others were present, he consistently and unwaveringly was a primary source of strength and wisdom. Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein's photograph is on my desk. He is my Rebbe, and although he is no longer alive, I consciously use the present tense as I still seek his guidance and hear his voice when I face complex situations and decisions. Since my days as a student in his yeshiva, I would regularly turn to him for all matters of personal advice. Sometimes, just being in his presence was clarifying. There are times that I would come to him for guidance about a significant life decision with all of my justifications and machinations in my head, but I found myself unable to even utter them in front of him. He was such an ish emet, a person of truth, that all matters of artifice and self-deception would naturally fall away in his presence. Other times, Rabbi Lichtenstein would generously share personal stories and life lessons he learned, not only from the text that he assiduously studied, but from the context of a life well-lived. Rabbi Lichtenstein was with me for my entire adult life. He was the sandik at my son's bris and participated in almost all of our family's smachot, even when it was difficult for him because of the demands on his time. I know it inconvenienced him at times, but he never said so. He showed by example the importance of the Rebbe Talmud relationship simply by being present on occasions that mattered to me. I share these stories with you, my student, to highlight the impact a true teacher will have on your life. Such a teacher not only imparts deep wisdom to you and provides great emotional support, but also serves as a living example of navigating a real life of commitment to Torah and our values. Everyone's life is filled with complexity and moments of decision in which values clash. Watching those who embody the highest ideals make their life decisions and hearing from them their stories and advice are great vehicles for you to learn how to apply our values to your life decisions. It is interesting that the mission of vote links the directive to make yourself a teacher with the one to acquire a friend. For friendships are the other relationships that will provide you with the strength to make hard decisions and help you believe in yourself and find your authentic voice within the tradition. True friends are those with you throughout your life, based not on your position, current title, or achievements, but on mutual respect and affection. The friends that I made in YU in my college years and my years in Smicha have remained my closest friends in life. We had no idea how our lives would turn out when we were hanging out in the dorm after hours. But the connections we formed during those years were the bonds that have continued to infuse our lives with great warmth and joy. Of course, when it comes to friends, the most important person in your life is your best friend, your spouse. In halacha, the bond between husband and wife is singular. It is the only relationship in which there is a merging between two identities so that two individuals also stand as one. 
the commitment that is represented by marriage in which two people tie their lives and destinies to one another is transformative. It elevates the visceral love and excitement of being together into a covenantal experience. To have one person in the world you can fully trust and with whom you lower your natural guard and share your vulnerability is true intimacy and the greatest human source of comfort and joy in life. There is no doubt that my greatest gratitude to Hashem is for bringing Anita into my life. It is this relationship that provides me with the inner strength to navigate and find happiness throughout all of the vicissitudes and dramatic turns that life naturally brings. Our life journey, with all of its inherent challenges and joys, heartbreaks and triumphs, is made sweeter by the fact that we are traveling this road together. My great wish for you, my dear student, is that you similarly find the friends and the one true friend who will accompany you throughout your journey. These three strategies will help you actualize our core Torah values in your life. Number one, balancing and calibrating your values throughout your life. Number two, accounting for your specific personality, character traits, and circumstances when making decisions. Number three, surrounding yourself with the teachers, friends, and loved ones who will enable your best self to emerge and develop. With these strategies, you will form a strong basis upon leaving YU for a lifetime of Torah and self-discovery, purpose and joy, meaning and mission. My life bring you much success and happiness. Warmest regards, Ari Berman.